I don't know if anybody knows what happened on this date, 1517, uh, but it's worth remembering. Uh, 1517 was when Martin Luther walked up to the Wittenberg church door and nailed the 95 Theses to the door. Happy Reformation Day. Uh, I'd like to bring that up. I mean, uh, in those days, there were a lot of people cowering from the uh, church and hiding from the authority. Uh, He had spine enough to walk right up to the church door and nail it right there. Uh, And that's how it's going to be. He had his own faults, but it's still a day worth remembering. Especially that kind of mentality is worth remembering today. We don't need to live in fear. We don't need to cower. It's always right to stand up for what's right. And if it's right yesterday, it's right today, and it'll be right tomorrow. If it's right, it's right, no matter what the circumstances are. But that's not really our topic today. Although maybe, I guess it kind of is. Today we're looking at 1 John. We're 1 John chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 18 to 23, and we're going to see some of the deception that's going to happen in the last days. Uh, let's, let's read what it has to say. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 18, it goes like this. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard the Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let's have a word of prayer before we get looking at this. Lord, we thank you for the day you've given us. It's another beautiful day. It's a day to lift up your name and to praise your holiness. We're in a deceptive world, and we can see the spirit of Antichrist all around. I believe we are in the last days, just as John believed he was in the last days. But in these dark times, your light shines even brighter. Help us to shine that light forward. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So this morning, let's look at verse 18 again. We're going to see John jump right off. He says, little children, it is the last time. As you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. John jumps right off by telling his readers here, you and me, that you're living in the last days. You're living in the last days. They, John's, the folk that were alive in John's day, and you and me are living in the last period of time before Christ returns. He says that eventually the Antichrist will arise, claiming to be God himself. But by his actions, 
He's actually going to oppose God, and he's going to lead people astray. Remember, we talked about that uh, in Sunday morning service a couple of weeks ago. That same deceiving spirit was and still is present. There's a lot of lesser antichrists who are deceiving God's people even today. They're deceiving God's people with false teachings and heresies. You don't have to look too far to find them. You know who I'm talking about. We'll learn more about that when we get to chapter 4, verse 3. Uh, actually, let's look at it right now. I'll steal a little of my own thunder. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 3. If it's a pew Bible, it's the same page. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is at work in the world. Paul talked about that same concept over in uh, 1 Timothy. He was warning, warning that uh, Timothy, or the, the church at Ephesus, uh, to be on the lookout for this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Let's turn back to 1 John 2 and verse 18. And you see, as John's addressing these people, he again addresses them as little children, using that Greek word pedia. Uh, children's doctors are, uh, oh gosh, I forgot it again. <laughs> Pediatricians, that's right. Whenever I'm think, trying to think of that, all I can think of is podiatrist. And that's something totally different. Uh, that happened to me the last time I tried to think of that word too. Uh, John has a very affectionate regard for these people, and also to you and me as well, because we're reading this, right? He's like a grandfather again. He's sitting there speaking to his dear grandchildren, you and me. Listen to little children. I got something I'm going to tell you. You're living in the last days. You're living in the last days. But the, uh, now the phrase that he uses, it says uh, last time, is quite literally last hour. You know that? Uh, the, in the Greek, it's eskate hora. Hora, we know that. Hour, right? Uh, eskate, you've heard it before. Eschatology, the study of last things. Uh, the study of future things is eskate. We're living in the last hour, the very last hour. This is the only time that this phrase is ever used in the Bible, by the way. Eskate hora. Now, elsewhere in the New Testament, we see last days, we see last times. Those are used, but they're different phrases. No, I'm not going to go into a grand discourse on uh, end times prophecy here, because that is not John's point. But I will say that John very clearly believed that he and his readers were living in the last hours. Because what John sees happening around him correspond perfectly with the many prophecies regarding the last hours. Because, what does he say? He says, uh, As ye have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. You've heard that this is going to be the case. Well, where have they heard of that? Well, the Old Testament's full of all kinds of uh, old-time prophecies. Paul's writings, most of Paul's writings are now available. John's writing to basically... 
He's writing to all the churches, but John's home church was the church of Ephesus, where we just finished reading, Paul wrote to Timothy about the last times. So these people are aware of what end-time prophecy looks like, and John was seeing in his day a lot of things that lined up with that. I'll argue we're seeing a lot of the same things today. Again, I talked about that a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago in Sunday morning service, how we can see these things lining up. So when John says, as you have heard, he's saying this is common teaching. This is common teaching. You guys have already heard this. I'm not teaching you anything new. I don't need to get into this, John says. Now, by the way, the phrase Antichrist uh, is only found in John's writings as such. Uh, but the fact is, Jesus himself taught that there would be a lot of false Christs appearing in the last days, too. Did you know that? Jesus taught about false Christs coming. He taught about it in uh, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. Let's try and find that. Jesus talking about last times, and he says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Uh, turn over to a parallel passage, Mark chapter 13. Verse 22. It says, For false Christs and false prophets shall arise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Same, it's a parallel passage, like I say. Uh, even though Jesus didn't use the term Antichrist, Jesus is clearly speaking of that same concept. Notice that he uses a plural. He's not talking about the Antichrist, like we talked about a couple of Sunday mornings ago. He's talking about the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit that runs contrary to the teachings of God's word and the teachings of Christ. John here isn't telling them anything new, you see. Jesus talked about it. The Old Testament talked about it. Paul talked about it. John says, I don't need to really get into this. You can look around if you got your... As my old grandfather used to say, anybody with no eyes and half sense can see it. Let's look at verse 19. Back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They went out from us, talking about these antichrists, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So these false teachers that John's talking about have been active in local churches. But they were not of us. And they've proven it by separating themselves from the real church and starting false churches. We see this around us today, don't we? These people had been attached to the church of God, but they'd seceded from it. They'd never actually been members of the church. Now, I don't mean that they were card-carrying, yeah, I'm a member of Bethel Bible Church. That's, that's not what I mean. I mean that they never truly accepted Christ as Savior. But instead, 
They've been playing the part as if they were. Because John says, for if they had been of us, if they really were saved, then they no doubt would have continued with us, see. And he goes on to say, but they went out that it might be made manifest that they never were of us. That's why they went out. For if they'd genuinely been believers, John says, they never would have left. They would have remained. The fact that they broke off and that they left shows that they'd finally revealed their true colors. And you know, there's a lot of people in the church today who really aren't believers. We never really know, do we? Now, we'll see as we keep going that the activities of these people after leaving also reveals an awful lot about them. After they broke away and didn't hold up any pretenses anymore, they started another church. See, they denied that Jesus is the Christ, as we see in verse 22. Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. That's a pretty strong statement. You're denying that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Verse 26, uh, we're not going to get there today. I'll steal my own thunder from next time. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. They're seducing. They've tried to lead some of the readers of this letter astray, you see. John here is trying to warn against some of these secessionist attempts to deceive true believers. John's writing to these true believers, but in verse 26 he says, they've tried to seduce some of you. They were trying to, they were not true believers, but they were trying to lead some of the true believers away. That sounds very similar to what we were reading, uh, what Jesus had to say, deceiving, if possible. Let's look at verse 20. John talking again, he says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. So now he's making a contrast here. He says, in order to arm his readers against the deception that's all around him, the deception of these false teaching secessionists, John reminds his readers that they've got one great resource at their disposal. They've got one thing that these other guys don't have. You have an unction from the Holy One, he says. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, that word unction is the Greek word chrisma. Chrisma, which literally means anointing. It's kind of, it sounds similar to Christ, right? Christ is simply, it wasn't Jesus' last name, by the way. You, do you know what Jesus' last name while we're on that topic? Yeah, Jesus would have been uh, Jesus, uh, Yeshua ben Yosef. That's his, that's his real name, if you were ever considering that. That's his name. His name is not Jesus Christ. Christ simply means the Messiah, the Anointed One. Chrisma. Anointing. That's what this means. This word unction means chrisma. Anointing. Now this uh, word chrisma is used only here and in verse 27 in all of the New Testament. Verse 27, it says, But the anointing, same word, which you have received of him abideth in you. We'll talk about that more next time. There's, there are similar forms used elsewhere, like I say. Christ itself is a very similar form. 
but not this specific word. Uh, actually, one of the similar terms that it, where it is used, let's go over to uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. And we'll see a very similar use of this word, because it'll help to explain the one time where it's used here. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Anointed thee. That's talking about Jesus. Being anointed, made the Christ one, the, made the Messiah by God with the oil of gladness. Another time when it's used is when Paul was anointed by God. When God put his spirit upon him. That's in 2 Corinthians. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians and take a look at that. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 21, 22. It says, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us, same word, is God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. I know I just took two verses, but in both of those verses, it is used to describe God pouring out his Holy Spirit upon someone. By the way, it's used consistently that way across the New Testament. So bearing that in mind, this concept of pouring out the God, taking the action to pour the Holy Spirit upon someone, I believe it's safe to say that John is telling his readers and us, that God has poured his Holy Spirit out on us. And that's what sets us different from these false teachers. God has, I took the long way around the barn to tell you that, but God poured his Holy Spirit out on us, and so we, we don't need to be deceived by these false teachers. This anointing, John says, is from the Holy One. This phrase, Holy One, is not used anywhere else in 1 John either. But it is used in the Gospel of John in chapter 6, verse 69, when the disciples say to Christ, And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. <coughs> so, with that in mind, I think it's safe to say that the Holy One spoken of here is none other than Jesus Christ himself. I think that's a pretty safe guess. Now, in his gospel, John reminds us that Christ promised to send us a paraclete. Paraclete. Uh, you may know it from the King James, as I will send a comforter to be with the disciples after his departure. And that this paraclete, this comforter, was going to teach them in the truth. We saw, let's, back, let's see where we saw that. Uh, John chapter 15. We should read it, because we're trying to build a point here. John chapter 15, verse 26. He says, I'll jump right in the middle of this. He says, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. The Spirit of truth is going to testify. Uh, now, while you're right there, go to 16, verse 7. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Skip down to verses 12 now. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. So John here in 1 John is reminding us that we have that anointing of the Holy Spirit to do that very thing Jesus had promised. All things of the Father will be revealed to us. That's what the Holy Spirit is here to do. And the result of that anointing, John says in 1 John, you shall know, you know all things. This means that we have access through the Holy Spirit to all of God's truth. Do you realize that? A lot of believers don't act as though they realize that. What a thing that is to consider, though. Let's think about that for a minute. Do we take advantage of that truth? We have access to all of God's truth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do we take advantage of it? I hope you do. Now, because they have access to all truth, John's readers don't need him, according to verse 21, uh, and they certainly don't need the false teachers. I don't want to read verse 21 just yet. I'm going to in a minute. They don't need the false teachers to teach them. We're going to see that in verse 26, 27 next time we're together. There is nothing that the Holy Spirit can reveal to me that he can't reveal to you as well. You know that? You don't need me. Just like these people in John's day didn't need John. You don't need me. If you're willing to listen, the Holy Spirit will guide you. Everything you need to grow in Christ is available through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people who don't realize that. Verse 21. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Now, since John says that his readers, and you and me, have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and know all things, he says, I haven't written to you because you know not the truth. You know the truth. These folks aren't ignorant of the truth. They don't need further instructions. That's why John's not going into a whole lot of detail here. Some people will read this passage and say, well, what do you mean, John? Why don't you go into a little more detail? He doesn't need to. You don't need further instruction on this. John says, I'm writing this to you because you already know it. The fact that God's people already have the truth available to them reminds me of a promise that God made way back in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31. Verse 34. By the way, this is one of my favorite passages in the book of Jeremiah. It says, 
But this shall be the covenant that I shall make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. That sounds very similar to what John's saying here, right? You don't need me to tell you this because God, through his Holy Spirit, has already told you this truth. Jeremiah was promising that God was going to make a new covenant with his people, that they would all be taught by the Lord. And then he goes on to say, eventually, as you go down through, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, know the Lord. You're not going to have to do that anymore. For they shall all know me, he says, from the least of them to the greatest. John himself even reminded us of that promise back in John, uh, John chapter 6, the Gospel of John, when we were going through that. Let's, let's take a look at that. So I know this was on John's mind. This is something he's written about. This had a lot of... It rung home to John. John chapter 6, verse 45. It says, It is written in the prophets, and they shall... Be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. That's Jesus talking in John's day. The truth that John's talking about here is the truth about Jesus Christ. That he is, in fact, the Messiah. That's a fact that these false teachers that, that had left the church and started other false churches, they've been denying that. A point which proved that they were in that spirit of Antichrist. As we're going to see when we get to verse 22, 23, John's going to explain that. John says he's not writing because these folks don't know that. But he's writing it because they do know it. So now... Let's look at how John identifies these people by the nature of their lie. Verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. We can identify these liars by the nature of their lie. The liar, the ultimate liar, is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Anyone who denies that Jesus is the Christ is a liar. Now, already in this book, we've seen John point out many ways that people can lie. They lie about their spiritual conditions. We saw it chapter 1, verse 6, chapter 1, verse 8, chapter 1, verse 10, chapter 2, verse 6, chapter 2, verse 9. That's what we've seen so far. We're going to continue seeing more ways people can lie. Did you know people lie? People lie all the time. <coughs> But right here, we see him come right out and deny that Jesus is the Christ. Now, that's a pretty bold lie. That, by the way, is the exact claim that the Jehovah's Witnesses make today. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. He's, he's not the Christ. He's an angel. Uh, that's the fundamental to their teaching. I don't want to go down that route right now. I told you when we first started talking about First uh, John that the heretics of First of John's day when he wrote 1 John are alive and well today. We call them Mormons, we call them Jehovah's Witnesses, we call them many other things. 
it's the same Gnostic heresy. Uh, they used to call it Gnostics back in the day, now they call it Jehovah's Witnesses. It's the same people. Uh, but let's, rather than going down that path, let's say that if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, then you, you believe the truth. If you deny that, then you never were a Christian in the first place. That's what John's saying. So now that John's identified the liars by the nature of their lies, he then explicitly identifies the liars as antichrists. He comes right out and calls them antichrists. He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. I don't recommend saying that next time the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door. Well, you're, you are antichrist. Uh, John says that, but I wouldn't recommend it yourself. Uh, Anyone who denies the true identity of Jesus Christ as the very Son of God is Antichrist. And in so doing, they're denying the Father as well. We'll see that as we go along. Uh, John's going to expand on this concept. But it, remember one thing. It was the Father who sent the Son. All right. We'll see. I'll show you exactly where we're going to see it. Uh, chapter 4, verse 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's also the father that bears testimony of the son. Also, turn over to chapter 5, next page in your pew Bible. Chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, that he hath testified of his son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath that witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Anybody who denies this is clearly not a true believer. That's what we saw back in uh, verse 19 earlier today. So let's wrap up with one closing thought. Verse 23. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. So here John shows the consequences of embracing this false teaching. If you deny the Son, you don't have the Father either. These people remember the claims that they had earlier. Uh, back, Alright, I referenced it a little bit ago. Let's look back to chapter 1, verse 6. These are the claims that these people were making. For if we say that we have fellowship with him, that's fellowship with God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. These people were claiming to have fellowship with God. They were even claiming to live with God. Uh, chapter 2, verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as we, he walked. They were claiming to have fellowship with God. They were claiming to even walk with God and live with God. But those claims are empty if they deny that Jesus came in the flesh. I don't care what you say you do with God the Father. Doesn't that sound like Jehovah's Witnesses? They're witnesses of Jehovah. They walk with Jehovah. They believe in God the Father, but Jesus wasn't Christ. It's the same claims, folks. It's alive and well today. Those claims are empty. If you can't accept the Son, 
then you've got no part in the Father either. But the opposite's also true. Did you see the second half of that verse? You know, the verse, uh, second half of this verse gets left out of a lot of Bibles today. He that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. If you do accept that Christ is who he says he is, then you have the Father also. You see the double blessing? And those are some of the marks of a true believer. If you simply accept the claims of the Son, that he is, in fact, God's Son, come in the flesh, then you have the Father also. You can't have the one without the other. To try and claim to have the one without the other, you're Antichrist. That's what John has to say. Mind if I close us in a word of prayer? Lord, we do see this spirit of Antichrist all around us in many ways. People teaching falsehoods. People denying you. 